I'm Batman. Good luck, Harry Potter. Well, cover me with eggs and flour and bake me for 40 minutes. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Screen Masters with me, Bam. And me, Fluff. And today we are going to be discussing Red Dwarf. Which, for anyone that isn't from the UK, I think it got shown in America. It stuff, did, yeah. It's a British sitcom started in 1988 and is still going to this day. Yep. Uh, got picked up by another network a few years ago. Um, but in... The immortal words of Thin Lizzy, I feel we have to say, the boys are back in town. You're gonna the do this. You're gonna do this every time now. You're gonna, yeah, yeah, pretty much. Okay, cool. Because it's not even just me now. Okay. The good lady teacher, yeah. her indoors, has actually got a note going in her phone <laughs> whenever she thinks of one that would work. It's not Backstreet Boys, so that's. It's, uh, well, that's it. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm still trying to think of five steps, those sort of things, but I, I haven't got one yet. <laughs> She'll come up with some. Okay. It's fine. We went with Thin Lizzy today. Okay. Keep it at that. So, TV episode. And we're talking about Red Dwarf. But first, I've got some TV news that we really need to discuss because it's, it's got me all kinds of buzzing. Okay. So, uh, this was reported. I'm taking this straight from uh, the Digital Spy article that I read on the 27th of September. So, the Arrowverse are good friends over at the Arrowverse, they're doing their yearly crossover that they now do so this time is Crisis on Infinite Earths I know where you're going with this already so we're getting Arrow, The Flash Supergirl, DC's Legends of Tomorrow, Batwoman which I didn't even know was a series they were doing Mm -hmm. and Black Lightning but it's also going to incorporate other DC shows, DC films, other things. So John Wesley Shipp, who played Flash in the original 90s series, is going to be in it. He is going to be joined by Brandon Routh, who uh, will play Ray Palmer, who he is in Legends of uh, Tomorrow, but also he's going to play the Man of Steel from the Superman universe, the Superman Returns universe, where he was Superman. Actually, it's Kingdom Come. But the biggest news and the best news is that my friend and yours Tom Welling <laughs> is coming back I knew, this is where, I knew that's where this was going they're incorporating Smallville <laughs> Fluffy they're putting Smallville back on the telly yep what am I supposed to do yep I'm, I'm not watching it from the first I'm not time. watching it just because it's no I'm uh, no well, part of me wants to watch it yeah, and, yeah. curiosity because how the fucking hell do you cross over five shows yep. in a single week it's just absolutely insane yeah I read especially with the budgets of the CW as well yeah uh, I don't know whether you've also read but uh, one of the people from Birds of Prey which was set all before all of this oh, yeah, yeah. has also been signed up Oh, great. And I, I know Erica Durant is coming back as uh, Lois Lane as well. Although I did read uh, Michael Rosenbaum won't be coming back as Lex for the Smallville yeah. thing. Um, it, it was uh, quite funny. I've got the little tweet here because they, they posted it on there. So um, he said, uh, WB agent... WB called my agents Friday afternoon when I was in Florida visiting my grandfather in a nursing home. He tweeted, their offer, no script, no idea what I'm doing, no idea when I'm shooting, basically no money. And the real kick in the ass, we have to know now. My simple answer was pass. I think you can understand why. Mm -hmm. I hope this answers all of your questions. Lovingly, Rosenbaum. Fair play. I'd rather he voiced the Flash in an animated 
TV show anyway. Yeah. Or film. I'd take any of it. Happily. So, <laughs> I, yeah. I had to shout. Obviously, I'm not excited in the slightest, but... Yeah, as soon as it was a Smallville thing, I figured Smallville you would. Smallville is a yeah. constant thing on this show, so <laughs> I, th- I felt I had to mention it. I really did. Um... Anyway, as I dived in too quickly again, like I did last episode, I've forgotten all the shout-out T-type stuff. I did warn you this time. should probably do. Yeah, you did. Uh, so, hello. This is Screen Masters. This is a podcast where we discuss film and TV on alternating weeks. You can join the conversation with us over on our Facebook page, which is facebook.com forward slash the Screen Masters. You can message us there, leave comments on the videos. It's got the links to all the videos and all the various platforms that we're available on. You can head over to the YouTube channel. We've just started putting them on there as well, even though they're audio only content. It'd really help us if you could head over to the YouTube channel, which is uh, under Biteback Media. So either search Screen Masters or Bite Back Media, uh, and the bite is a computer bite, not a food bite, as I always say. Um, and just like the page, subscribe to the page for us. Uh, I think it's about 100 we need, and then it kicks off some sort of algorithms or something. I don't know. Um, but it may actually end up making us money to, um, if you listened to me last time, to just keep Wayne in coffee, because he edits this for us painstakingly. Thank you, Wayne. And he knocks this into some sort of legible form for you guys to listen to. So you can also, if you'd like to, head over to the Patreon site as well, which is over at patreon.com. And again, search for Biteback Media, because as I talk to you now, I don't actually have the, the really nice, simple link for you. But I will do by the next episodes. But like I say, the free way to help us would be to head over to YouTube and like the Biteback Media YouTube page and subscribe to that for us. Uh, but if you want to donate more directly and again none of this is coming to me none of this is coming to fluff it's all going to go to wayne who does the editing at this point and to keep the studio going up in his neck of the woods so i've done that bit now so apologies let's go back to you and continue the news okay i don't really have you know there's not been particularly much in in the way of news i think because we had comic-con and then we had the d23 and stuff like that so there's not been as much newsworthy stuff uh, of late. You covered the pointless Smallville anecdote there, so we'll cover... We won't cover that again. Um, The only thing I've got of note, really, that that actually tickled uh, my interest when I did read this uh, was a possible casting for Kate Bishop in the Hawkeye series. Okay. uh, Which is Hayley Steinfeld. Who okay. you might recognise from No Country for Old Men, I believe it was, yes, and yes. also from the Bumblebee movie, which we both, yes, which yes, we both course, enjoyed, of course, of course, which yes. we, we both enjoyed. I, I really enjoyed that. Uh, yeah. You know, it has nothing to do with the fact that John Cena uh, was was in that, and you know, I'm we're not, not we're not John Cena's theme. I, I can't think of what his theme is. You can't see me. Oh, it's ba ba da ba ba da ba, but I can't think of what the. <laughs> words are because he's we're back to rap again and i'm not rapping again i'm sure wayne will throw that in there for you yeah i'm sure he will thank you wayne uh so yeah so that was just a really interesting thing you know she's a she's a decent actress i I Mm. do kind of like her um and i think her against jeremy renner could work quite well and now i this is just early days so we'll see how that kind of pans out but the fact that they're going for somebody quite high profile Mm -hmm. Is a is good incentive again. Now this is another thing that I had read. Now this again, take this with a grain of salt. That they are looking to build a young Avengers team. Lovely. So 
again, this is perhaps going to lead us to some of the other characters. Uh, whether we end up seeing in one division the introduction of Wiccan uh, and Speed, who's to say? There's there's many avenues that many of these characters could go down. Um, you know, as we discussed, Ms. Marvel is going to be introduced. Whether she will be part of the Young Avengers team, who's to say at this yeah. moment in time? It may not necessarily be faithful to the great uh, run that we both read way back uh, a good few years ago now, 10-15 years ago it's been, it's, been, it's been quite a while uh, so yeah, we're, we're intrigued to see where that's going to go but that is, you know, I've not got much on the news well, front this time we'll but, um, news at that stage then and, um, head, head straight in, so it's TV time so it's over to me this time so uh, now we decided after a little bit of discussion this time, so I, I did discuss with Pete. Now, this all actually instigated because it was a recent birthday for myself, and my good brother was very kind and bought me the Blu-ray set for Red Dwarf. So that being there and me starting to watch that again, we obviously started a conversation. Now, you, you're a bit of a small kind of... Little bit of a I, I may be a tiny fan. Red Dwarf fan. Um, Red Wolf uh, again, shout out to Borley if he's listening. But uh, he will know <laughs> the most uh, how into that show I... Uh, particularly back in my youth I was. Um, I think we both were. I've got bobbleheads all over the place. I've got models mm-hmm. of every single craft they did. I've got a genuine Mr. Flibble puppet uh, from the quarantine episode. Uh, I've had a baseball cap the other day that I'd totally forgotten I'd got. It's absolutely ridiculous. And I've seen those shows... I don't even know how many times. I couldn't count either when I was in my youth I, I just watched them over and over again because I adored them now having said that I haven't seen whatever the last season was I think, I think it was 12. season 12 yeah so I haven't seen that one mm-hmm. uh, I did watch 11 I've seen 10 8 and all the way back but I'll be honest my picks are from the first 6 seasons mm-hmm. because for me that was particularly season three to five i feel was peak mm-hmm. dwarf yeah for me uh personally and it's not just because that's when i was watching it it's that the the for anyone that doesn't know after season six uh the the writers rob grant and doug naylor split and uh rob grant went off to do other things and doug naylor remained as the sole writer helped at times by i think robert llewellyn wrote a couple uh and uh, you know i think chris barry helped write mm-hmm. one or something around the time that rimmer left in season seven um for me i felt it never regained what it had season three to five yeah and maybe bits of six i don't think all of six uh things like polymorph two I don't think is great. It's just taking the polymorph joke and trying to do it again. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I, you know, there are bits of that, as we'll see, that I think are do hold up and are very good. But yeah, I'm not a massive fan of anything from seven onwards. Really, as soon as uh, you know, I think seven, eight, uh, nine probably didn't again take my fan. Was no nine. To- well, no, it was the. Back to Earth, yeah. Which was a bit too meta. It, yeah, it really, really, really was. Um, I appreciate the fact that they tried to do something different, um, but when they went back to the original format, as we might consider it, in Season 10, there are some really enjoyable ones in 10 for me. Um, mm-hmm. One may have may have crept into my list. I think that's because I wanted to pick something relatively new as well. I didn't want to just all... Because I think we could both agree that the, the first five series are wholeheartedly the, the best of the bunch. I but I also wanted to pick one which was a bit fresh, a bit new, and was a bit different as well. Because it covers 
jokes from the previous like seven series and, and things like that. So that yeah. But um, okay. Yeah. All right. Uh, well, uh, I think you went first with the last. I did. One, so. I did. So yeah, yeah, you can. Okay, uh, I'll go first. This yeah, time. yeah, yeah. So as usual, we'll do our. Well, mine is a top five. I don't know whether yours is. I can't remember what you said now. But um. Yes, top we're just five. leaving one to discuss at the end. I think we will. I think we, we yeah, we, we kind of we, know we which that. We've one that's the same, and it's my number one, and it wouldn't be his, but we're going to discuss it last anyway, because we've both picked it. So, uh, my number five would be White Hole from season four. Um, it's one of the, uh, it, well, I had to put it in here, because you picked an episode that I picked as well, <laughs> two of the same. Yes, we so, did. Um, but I do love this episode, but it's it's it's... Uh, you know, your nice high concept science. So the white hole is a, opposite of a black hole. They encounter one. Various time bits keep getting spewed in. There's a great sequence where they're trying to have a discussion, and they keep encountering the middle, and then the end, and then the uh, sorry, they encounter the end of it, and then they encounter the middle of it, and then they go back to the beginning of it. And it's a great uh, repetitive joke. So what is it? So what is it? Works really well. exactly. That's the sequence. Um, and it, it works really well through through mm-hmm. the whole thing. Uh, I also have a soft spot for Talkie Toaster because mm-hmm. um, it's his second appearance. He's in an episode in season two where Lister's shaving and he sings Frank starts singing Frank, uh, Frank Sinatra and he hits him. Um, but yeah, and they uh, and then the the crux is that to to plug up the white hole, they have to essentially play pool with plants, and it's. Holly's version of it when she's got a 12,600 odd IQ versus Lister after a few cans of Wicked Strength Lager and of course they all choose Lister because why not? Like everyone agrees that Rimmer's right and they should go with Holly but they all pick Lister because Cat can't deal with the fact that he'd be voting for someone with Rimmer's dress sense Crichton has to side with the living human you know rather than a hologram um but it's really funny um and obviously he pulls off a ridiculous trick shot at the end yeah even if he's pished genuine exactly pished and then i like what it does because it it, it stays with um uh i believe it obeys string theory because the timeline that they occupy is redundant Mm -hmm. so it ends with Crichton just having a go at Rimmer because mm-hmm. he can because he knows that the timeline's going to cease to exist and no one's going to remember so he can say whatever he wants so he finally gets to call him a smeghead and mm-hmm. stuff and it's it's just a great episode I really like it um, like I say not not one of the deeper ones as we get further up the list I think there's there's ones that explore slightly deeper stuff yep. but I, I just think it's funny entertaining they've got no power there's a sequence at the beginning where they're trying to fry an egg with a hair dryer <laughs> yeah he's like um, yeah, he's, he's sat again, on the pedal bike and stuff. Is, yeah, I could yeah. just sit and quote brilliant scenes in it yeah. because it, they're just really, really funny. But um, yeah, so Whitehall, that would be my number number five from season four. Okay, I am. I'm going to start oddly uh, with the first ever episode of Red Dwarf. Now, so you're going to start at the end. I'm going to start at the end, literally the end, because that is the the, the title of the first episode of the first series we're not going to go seasons because we're british and it is series not seasons um and i mean this for me was just i remember watching this when i was a kid because again we're we're old we we, we remember watching this I way back when been 10 maybe when yeah. I first saw it yeah, yeah i mean it was 1988 i don't think i saw it in 1988 no 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 I think oh, I watched. I started watching it from season two, season three onwards. I think. I remember I was at my nan's actually, mm. Birmingham. 
Um, Randomly on a Friday night. So this one immediately, immediately establishes the relationship between Rimmer and Lister. Uh, Even watching that way back now, because I had, I've I've had to rewatch it recently. There's instant chemistry Mm. between the two of them. Absolutely. Within the first thirty seconds, it's the first time that we ever hear the word smeghead. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember calling somebody a smeghead at school one day and yeah. getting looks of absolute disdain from people wondering what the fuck I had just said a smeghead mm-hmm. I was like okay you're, you're clearly not a dwarfer um, it, yeah I, it's just hilarious again you, you, like you say it, there are so many lines even in this first episode uh, I'm, I'm, I'm going to say oh, it's the comedy repetition again with the Everybody's dead, dead, Dave. Yeah, uh, yeah, uh, yeah, mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll get there. I'll get there. You're jumping ahead now. Sorry. Come on. Um, the, the, fir- the, the first one for me is where he talks about his. Lister talks about his ambition, and he's just like, "Yeah, uh, I'm going to buy a sheep and a cow and breed horses." Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> you know, just... I've forgotten that. Like... <laughs> oh, um, cow and breed horses. Yeah. <laughs> with horses and horses. <laughs> um, I mean. It just it even lines like this. It's within the first like ten minutes, and I'm wetting myself when I'm younger. Um, you know, again, this this is the the episode which kind of establishes a lot of the stuff which is gonna be the forefront of this series moving forward. Mm. It establishes what a hologram is, uh, what what, what it, it means before we even yeah exactly it establishes all of that uh, by bringing us a deceased member of the crew back. Um, it shows us how much Rimmer wants to be an officer, but basically has no intelligence and is never going to be able to get to that position. Yeah. Trying to write every sheet on his body and then pretty much succumbing to well not only does he turn into a fish which is again part of the joke uh it may well be that he's actually got ink poisoning because he's written quite literally the entire book on his body is that the one where he then pulls his sleeve up and he's sweated so much it's just oh yeah it's just ro- yeah it's just right just does a hand print correct and signs it correct um is it the one where they reference the uh you wrote i am a fish hundred yeah. times did a funny little dance and fainted uh, yeah it is because yeah. my uh, quick sidebar sorry um, when I was at school uh, doing my mock GCSEs I one of I think it was my Spanish paper or something I didn't know an answer to so I wrote soy un pez which is I'm a fish in Spanish uh, somehow my physics teacher got hold of this knowledge um, because he must have spoke to the Spanish teacher I guess and he was a big Red Dwarf fan so I was setting my physics mock exam and he was walking around the tables and he just dropped a piece of tracing paper on my table and it just said a fish and was a drawing of a fish in pencil and then I, I kind of looked around and watched him and then I saw him sort of chuckle to himself go back to the desk <laughs> grab another piece of tracing paper and walk past my desk again and like I said this is in the middle of the hall mm-hmm. like uh, and my mock GCSEs and he drops it on my table and it, it's um, a kipper and it just says Kipper question mark underneath mm-hmm. uh, I just pissed myself absolutely pissed myself but yes anyway sorry I just thought it was a funny little sidebar that he did that's that. a story I've not heard before and I don't yeah uh, that, that, that's good it's, even after all these years there's still things I don't know yeah there you go um, so yeah um, so yeah like we said yeah, Rimmer wants to be an officer and is clearly never going to get there Lister has no real drive he's kind of happy in his position he's obviously already come up with his future life of you know breeding horses with a sheep and a cow um we established that he's in love with kachansky yeah um he's put into stasis 
over a cat, which he's obviously Frankenstein. adopted, uh, Frankenstein the cat. And then, then we go into... Th- th- this is the bit that absolutely tickles me, even going back and watching this, is that the sci-fi tripe are putting somebody in stasis. Now, he steps in, he's waving, and then literally a split second later, he walks out the door and he's like, is that it? Mm. Am I done? And and that's it. You always get in in so many sci-fi programs. You get like a massive long period of time, and all they're encased in ice and blah blah blah. No, he literally walks into a thing, waves, and then he doesn't even finish waving, and then the door pops open. Yeah. Which is just again, it's just just brilliant. And then as he's walking around, you've already told the joke here, but he's just walking around saying. Who's, is this person dead? And he's like, yeah, everybody's dead, Dave. Everybody's dead. Everybody is dead, Dave. Um, then Peterson's not, is he? Yes, Dave. Yeah. Everybody's dead. Dave. Um, and then you get Holly telling him that it's, yeah, three million years. He's like, three million years? Jesus. Uh, and then Rimmer walks Doesn't in. He's like, three million years? Still got that library book? Yeah, something like that. Um, and then Rimmer walks in as a hologram, blames Lister for him being dead because he wasn't there to help him out. Still drive place. Again, classic, classic Rimmer. We get the introduction of the cat, which is evolved from Frankenstein, and it just it, it just ends on the words "Look out, Earth, the slime's coming, coming home,", home. Yeah, right. and the first time you get to hear that theme tune and that eponymous theme tune, which it's just brilliant to this day. Good old Howard Goodall did a great theme tune. He also did the Blackadder theme tunes mm-hmm. as well. Howard Goodall, particularly the. Uh, is it Blackadder the second, the one where he's always walking away into the garden and the song is always taking the piss out of him for what's happened to him in the episode? And they were all Howard Goodall as well. So, over to you. Yeah, I do like that one. I like that one very much. Um, so, my number four is Backwards from Series 3. Mm-hmm. I I really like this one. So, the the... Crichton's learning to, because uh, we got the addition of Crichton by this point, um, obviously in the end he's not there, he comes in in season two, in a bit part in one episode, and then joins full time season three so uh, he's learning to get his license to drive Starbug or to fly Starbug, and Rim is his instructor there's some brilliant uh, sight gags with uh, different road signs that he's got to identify, mm-hmm. there's one that's like a scantily clad woman he's like, dangerous space mirages ahead um uh, and there's something like you're traveling at half the speed of light. What's the uh, what's the stopping distance? Four years, three months, and the thinking time a fortnight. Yep. And it's just there's some cracking, cracking witty lines uh, between the two of them on that one. But they get sucked into a time hole. The time hole takes them to Earth in the past, 1993, I think it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, yeah, 3991. That's what it is. So yes, they go back to 1993. Uh, which of course is the present in the actual thing, which is hilarious. I never realised how 80s, the early 90s, was, <laughs> yeah, yeah. until I saw it. Yeah, it's still very 80s. Um, and uh, then they they set themselves up as a comedy act while they're waiting for Lister and Cat to come and save them. But the joke is that the planet they've landed on, everything's running backwards. So. You get cars driving backwards. You get Lister and Cat riding a bike backwards. You get the best bit is the the fight sequence. A barroom fight backwards is absolutely incredible. And this one makes the list because I like the premise. It's funny. Well, I call the rest of them are, but the the thought that went into this one. And I also love because uh, I've 
seen all the, the smeg ups you know what stuff that we did and there's there's sequences that you see forwards or you see what a character's saying forward. I before before we even say that before this uh, before the smeg ups and smeg outs yeah. videos uh, VHS's kids yeah that's still it, like there. The um, before they had even come out being the the geek of a kid that I was when I was watching this episode I wanted to know what was being said in the backward section so yeah. I recorded it on a little recorder and on this little recorder I had the ability to actually flip it and listen to it Nice. Backwards. So before they'd even come out, I was pissing myself when the guy is berating them, and it makes absolutely no sense to yeah. the story. It's just like I am. Ju- I'm pointing at you, but I'm not yeah. pointing at you. Yeah, I'm, I'm ju- pointing yeah. at you. I'm just pointing at the twat that's coming here and looks at face. I oh, look at you, you flat top bastard. Yeah, <laughs> it's great. I think it's Arthur Smith actually, if I remember rightly. Mm-hmm. He runs the the pub club that they're in. Yeah. Um, that's interesting. There are a couple of moments where I'm absolutely positive people are speaking bollocks mm-hmm. forwards because they couldn't do the the body yeah. like there's a bit where she serves them a pint yeah and she walks very clearly walks backwards yeah. because they're forwards and so obviously they couldn't do it so she has to pretend she's walking for- naturally backwards and goes that right, that right, right. Yep. it sort of makes up noise again a little bit later when they're talking he, he Crichton and, and the guy are talking they're obviously back and forth and Rimmer's there talking normal so again yeah, I think I, those I sections think that's no genuine yeah um, but yeah I, it's a great episode it's, it's uh, like I say it's really well done it's very funny um, and yeah I, I think it's uh, yeah it's my number four cool makes it in there cool so uh, my number four is the Inquisitor. Mm. Um, now, I again, I, there's so many different ones, and this one again was a bit of a deep one, I suppose you might want to say, um, because it was, you know, we're talking about a guy who goes through time uh, and erases those he deems unworthy of life and replaces them with those people that weren't given a chance. Yeah, the sperms that never made. The sperms that never made it. Yeah, um, and as Crichton is kind of explaining to Rimmer is just like you, you have to have lived a life uh, that wasn't egotistical uh, egocentric uh, and self-serving and Rimmer's just like you're just doing this on purpose now aren't you because <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, again he's just like if I'd have known this I'd have, I'd have, I'd have made a better effort uh, which just makes me piss myself because again it is, it's, it's just classic Rimmer as you say because Rimmer is always blaming someone else yeah. for his shortcomings and yeah. his faults yeah and it just comes up time and time and time again. Yeah, um, but that's it. I mean, they even describe it a little bit later on as they're being interviewed by themselves to determine whether they're worthy of life. And it's like, it's a bit metaphysical. Um, but yeah, the best thing is, is to be judged by yourself. So each one of them has to go in and defend themselves. Yeah. You've got Rimmer who's just like, it tries to again like you say pass the book on to well you know this is my parents were useless and I have my brothers and rah 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 but at the same time you kind of look and go yeah you didn't exactly have the best start mm. did you Rimmer um, the cat's just completely vain he's just like oh you know I've got a great ass mm. perfect Crichton questions the validity of a robot or a sentient life form, you know, that's that's adapted from AI, and questions that validity. So, well, yeah. I'm 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 a tech, and you're a tech. How, how, yeah, exactly. And then Lister's just, just like eh, spin on it, because um, he just doesn't give a shit. He's just like, who are you to judge me? Um, yeah. 
obviously we know that Lister and Crichton are deemed unworthy uh, and then erased from time. And then it's just that lovely sci-fi trope, though, of them having that little time travel element, uh, element sorry, that Crichton comes back. And that's that whole little interplay there. And again, it, it, it fits within the context of this character, yeah. uh, this Inquisitor character, jumping through time and trying to erase people and all that kind of stuff. Um, they meet their replacements, who are just very, very bizarre comparison to them don't seem to be different characters they seem to be Crichton and Lister they just look different the sperms that didn't make it as you you might put it Um, obviously Lister outsmarts the Inquisitor we've always known that Lister was a pretty intelligent guy if he put his mind to it as the Inquisitor even or his version of the Inquisitor even says to him if he'd have actually put himself out there if he'd have actually done something he could have made something of his life yeah he just chooses not to um but it's it's all you know and eventually they delete the inquisitor from history and it's all undone now one little anecdote i i will mention now this is a this is a theory i don't know whether you'd have ever heard of this it kind of doesn't doesn't sit true because of later things but i'll explain so there was actually a theory that Kachansky, the reason we get a different Kachansky in season seven Chloe and that and it changed. Yeah, Claire is because of the Inquisitor, right? But it doesn't exactly. Su- it does, but it also doesn't. So the Why idea is that the Inquisitor from history. They deleted the Inquisitor from history, so by doing so, they undid all of his work. So the theory is he changed Kachansky at some point. Yes. However, but it does work and it doesn't work. So in the next series, in series six, uh, they have the episode of Sirens, and Lister sees Kachansky, and it's Claire Grogan. And it's Claire Grogan. However. At this point, that's the memory he has of Kachansky. True. True. So, yeah. so, again, it's just a very weird fan theory. But, because I didn't really watch it, but the one where they get Kachansky in Season 7, isn't it that she's come from a parallel universe anyway? True. But everybody recognises her as Kachansky. So that's the... It's just a very weird one, but I thought it was an interesting little anecdote, yeah, all the is. same. All the same. Uh, right, so that's my four. Over to you for three. Uh, so my three would be... Quarantine. Okay. Season yeah. five. Um, this one... I'll watch, watch this one again uh, this week, and I, I still laugh now, which is absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> Even though I'm mouthing along to pretty much every line because I know it all, I, I still laugh now. Mm-hmm. Um... It's an important one because it introduces us to the luck virus mm-hmm. and the sexual magnetism virus that end up playing huge roles in... Let me see, was it Season 8? I think they get them out of jail in Season 8. Yeah. They get back to the dwarf and they're trying to get out of yeah. jail at the beginning. Uh, yeah, well, it, does it... Uh, yeah, yeah, hey, I'll say 8, I'll say 8. Season 8, my slight issue with Season 8 is as well that everything seemed to be a multi-part episode. Mm-hmm. There's only like one or two single-part episodes in there. The, the the opening back in the red is three parts. Yeah. And then there's the one about the dinosaur, Pete, part one and two. Um, but yeah, they the, the play a big part in that. Um, so yeah, they, they go and investigate a crashed planet. Um, uh, uh, sorry, they go and investigate a distress signal on a planet. It turns out to be a scientist who was uh, doing viral research. They wake her up. There's some fantastic sight gags where they're rubbing dust off uh, a wall to see what the hazard signs say. And the last hazard sign is literally just someone split in half and guts spilling out of them. Uh, it's hilarious. And then Crichton does the thing of looking at the sky scan and going, yeah, yep, yeah, they're... Uh, Oh, hold on. It's not working. Just give me a second. Yep. And we are going to... 
Live. Okay, and uh, oh, it's so fucking brilliant. But they wake her up and she's nuts because she's got one of the viruses. She's a hologram. She's got a hollow virus. She transfers it to Rimmer. Mm-hmm. Rimmer goes back to the ship. Now, again, another important part of this one, something that's established prior to it and then carries on throughout the rest of the seasons, is the Space Corps manual and Crichton's vindictive use of it <laughs> against Rimmer always, it seems. Yeah. Um, Space Corps directive. Like, why is there no? Um, yeah. Why is there no Space Corps directive uh, stopping people from eating sugar puff sandwiches on uh, somebody else's bunk and stuff? Um, so, uh, yeah. So he gets a copy of the manual and goes back to Red Dwarf, and obviously on the way back he reads it, and the guys have been infected to uh, potentially exposed to stuff, so they have to go into quarantine. Again, Rimmer's using the book. Uh, so he gives them single-person quarters, he has to provide entertainment, and it's like a, oh, what is it, wallpaper pasting and stippling, wallpaper pasting, painting and stippling a DIY guide or something like that, mm-hmm. a crochet magazine, mm-hmm. um, a, chess piece, a chess set with 31 missing pieces, and various other things, and he concocts a sprout diet for them all day, every day, and they've got to stay in there for three months. And we cut five days, and they've already beaten the shit out of each other. <laughs> And then we get the the brilliant sequence where Rimmer's been sat listening to their conversation for a while while they've been going a bit nuts. And uh, the, the, the light shines on Rimmer and he's wearing a red and white check gingham dress mm-hmm. and army boots, uh, complete with pink uh, blonde pigtails sticking out the side as well. Um, and so he's gone nuts. So they then have to try and escape and they managed to escape and save Rimmer and all that sort of stuff but the the, the comedy throughout it is it fantastic is, yeah. there's um, when they first see Rimmer they're like you're right he's like yeah I'm fine and they say they're completely sane and he uh, it, it, it ends up he tricks them and he says so let me get this straight you want to go and see the king of the potato you want to fly on a magic carpet and see the king of the potato people and plead with him for your life and you're trying to tell me you're completely sane mm-hmm. um so, uh, you know, which I think is great. And then when they they escape using the luck virus, and then we see Mr. Flibble, and Mr. Flibble has eyes of that, that will shoot lasers as well as rimmers, and Mr. Flibble's very angry, and uh, there's a great bit where Crichton gets a medium-sized fire axe embedded in his spinal column, which is very good. But um, yeah, it's like I say, it's one of my favourites just because it's it's so goddamn funny. It is. No, there are, there are so, so so funny, and like I say, it brings when you think about it now, it's where the lock virus and sexual magnetism virus come from, yep. and they are important parts going forwards. And the 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 space core manual, it's the first time we ever actually see it, and we understand what some of the regs are and stuff, and and then someone else uses it. Mm-hmm. And like I say, they keep going back to it as we go forwards. No, yeah, and it's... Rimmer, because then the joke is that Rimmer misquotes. Space Corps directives yeah. as we go forwards, yeah. and then Crichton takes the piss out of him because he thinks he knows him. Yeah, there are so many one lines in there. Uh, you know, he's just like he, when he's on the phone, oh, on the phone, sorry, on the radio to oh, Doctor Langstrom, he's just like, oh, give in, Doctor Fruit Loops, do tell me. Uh, and just again, like the you want to go and see the King of the Potato People? Yeah, little three seater. Yeah, yeah. Uh, all the all those little tropes are just hilarious. Uh, you get my hackles up. It's heckles. Every heckles, heckles, feckles, schmackles. Yeah, and there's so many f- funny freaking moments within this. Uh, yeah, no, it, 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 that's the thing. Like this series was was phenomenal for so many different episodes. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, most definitely. It, yeah, it, it was very close. It was very very close to being on my top five. I, I won't lie. 
Okay, back to you. Uh, so my next one is uh, Gunman of the Apocalypse. Uh-huh. Um, this is the one that made my list, but I kicked it out. Yeah, sorry, sorry, sorry about that. Uh, yeah, we had to compare. We don't often compare lists. We try not to, but we were acutely aware that we're both huge Red Dwarf fans mm-hmm. and that we didn't want to necessarily cover every single episode yeah. at the same time. There is one that we will share for understandable reasons, but uh, yeah, I, I had to kind of make Pete push this one out of his list. Um, so this one just starts off just brilliant uh lister in an ar machine who is clearly just addicted to having sex with loads of random ar women and the, even the joke at the point at uh, right at the beginning even, even rimmer kind of jokes and he's just like you've worn out that groinal attachment in three weeks it has a lifetime guarantee yeah, attachment has a lifetime um guarantee, yeah. they run into then a bunch of rogue simulants which again is setting up uh, introducing them to, to rogue simulants they appear a little bit later in the series and then they kind of get mentioned a couple of times yeah, in, in later that. series as well which again is kind of cool because they create these yeah. these villains which which appear a little bit later um, so they try to hide from the rogue simulants by becoming the Vindaloo and Empire Indeed, which is just and Bindi Badgie yeah, and just basically taking Crichton's eyeballs and, and just pop him on their on their chins to try and uh, <laughs> try try and hide away from gag where all cat does is stick his tongue out and put it back in his mouth but because it's being shot upside down looking at his mouth with an eyeball on his chin it, such a simple thing is actually a hilarious little side gag <laughs> Um, so they try and well, so they, basically their their ship is updated. You know, the, the Starbuck is finally given like lasers and stuff, and it's like, hey, Starbuck's got lasers, badass. And they're like, you know what? Let's fight. Let's let's not run away. Let's fight. It's the last thing they'd expect. And this is coming from Cat, and they're all like, what the? F- why is he coming up with? And they they agree with him, and he's like, what? The, why are you going with my idea? The f- who who's going to go with my idea? Which is just a brilliant, brilliant setup for later. So can I just say the line because I love the line that Rimmer does, uh, where. Uh, Cat says it's the last thing. Uh, no, someone said whoever says it's the last thing they'll be expecting. And Rimmer says no, the last thing they'll be accepted, expecting is for us to dress up as mongooses and tap dance to Bolero. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're they're attacked by the simulants and then they you know they basically take the simulants down, which is a huge shock. They're like even they're surprised and they're like okay let's transmit the Armageddon virus. Uh, so they realise that the you know their Navicom is is completely screwed. So Crichton's like okay I'm I'm do you do you, mind if I sacrifice myself to try and do this? Of course, yeah, fine, do it. Uh, so, Clayton basically takes on the virus and he has to shut himself down so that they can, you know, fight the virus off and, and come up with an antidote. So, as they're watching his dreams, as he tells them to, they realise that he's he's losing this battle. So, they decide to plug themselves into his dreams uh, to try and f- help him fight off this virus. So, you get them each selecting a character. Uh, you know, there's a shooter, there's a fist fighter, there's a knife man. Um, and then they just appear suddenly in the in this version of Crichton's mind, which is j- again they just appear and then they go up to the bar to to order drinks. And again, it's the line that Rimmer just goes up. He's like, I've seen westerns. I know what I'm doing. <laughs> dry right, wa- dry white wine and a Perrier, please. Uh, and I just, <laughs> even even going back and watching this time oh, and again, yeah. I still piss myself yeah, yeah. at that. that. That line is, is uh, really dry white wine and a Perrier, please. Uh, and then Cat tries to to order drinks. He's like, hey, uh, dos tequila, por favor. And yeah, yeah this is just, yeah, uh, this is like uh, three three shots of gulp and whiskey, man. Yeah. Um, so you know, eventually they run into Crichton, and you know, they, they, 
he doesn't believe anything that they're saying and then tries to run away because he's, he's just not interested in, in the fight and this is you know showing off the the skills cat just pulls out his gun ricochets a bullet hits the sign knocks him out and it's just hilarious because again it's the last thing you kind of expect you just um, it's, a, it's a great little western for like 10 minutes it's it's the story yeah. of the, the sheriff who's given up yeah. because he's being run out of town so he's turned to the bottle and they've got to try and pick him back up again and make him remember why he's here to to try and stop this virus and stuff yeah it, it, it's a cool little sort of weird sci-fi western which is funny because you don't like westerns aliens, which, is, which is funny you don't like westerns and you like this no i know but i love firefly as well yeah that's true. i still consider to be a western really oh, yeah i suppose um so eventually you know they make him a shit eat a shit ton of raw coffee as they're going out to, to fight to try and you know buy him some time they suddenly lose their abilities uh, it's just hilarious watching Rimmer try and get his head you know his helmet off and just constantly getting smashed in the head uh, with a pole because he's just it, 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 you know Rimmer, Rimmer getting injured is always hilarious eventually they manage to escape you know Crichton comes up with the antidote and then but it, for me it was the, it's the beautiful little ending where they suddenly input the you know the antidote into the Navicom they still crash into the sun but then they ride off and it's like yeah and then you get the little uh, you know different music and so again it was just a different uh, different one I loved it because again I'm, I'm a sucker for a good western and this was in essence a great western uh just taking the the sparks of the ar which comes again later and and uh, simulants and stuff like that so yeah so that was uh, that's good that was uh, my little nuggets on that one uh the set the western set is in kent hmm? uh it's a, a permanent western town that exists right down in kent uh and that's where they filmed that one and also, it was nominated for two Emmys back in 1996, that particular episode. Only that episode. And obviously, back in the day, it was quite a thing for a British show, back, certainly back in the 90s, for a British show to be nominated for an Emmy mm-hmm. was a hell of a thing. I mean, now it's far more common, but back then, it was a huge thing. Um, so, yeah, I, I love that episode as well, as I say. That that had made my list, but I knocked it out in, uh, to to allow us to talk about it like that. Go on, yours next. So, let me just consult my list. So, number two is Back to Reality. Ah, uh, okay. Another one from yep. season five. So, uh, the story of this one is they are fighting, they're, they're um, raiding a ship, uh, looking for salvage. Um, they uh, are attacked by something, they try to run away. Uh, they crash, and then, like, a game over screen appears. And they wake up in some sort of video game setting they all look a bit different Crichton's not a mechanoid anymore they don't know who they are though but they're told they've been playing a virtual reality video game called Red Dwarf for the last four by years. Timothy Spall of all people exactly. brilliant Timothy cameo Spall so I'm using these as the Brummy Git yep. who I absolutely adore this is a, a, what is it the, the microdot the microdot of the mess captain's message hidden in the microdot of the eye that leads rimmer to, that helps rimmer understand why he's such a twonk because he was a secret agent and he helps lister jumpstart the second big bang with the jump leads from starbuck correct imagine all that in a brummy accent because i'm not going to attempt it he does it too well but they then as they're discovering who they are they start to realize that they are basically either the opposite of what they thought they were in the game or they can't blame the same stuff like Rimmer can't it turns out Rimmer is Lister's brother 
and Lister is massively successful with loads of money, and Rimmer is a hobo. So he can't blame his upbringing anymore, because he had the same upbringing as Lister. Yet Lister is superbly successful, and he isn't. We get the introduction of Dwayne Dibley. Exactly, Dwayne Dibley. It's his first one, so... I don't, I don't want to be Dwayne Dibley. A no-style gimbo <laughs> with teeth the druids could use as a place to work, <laughs> yeah. I think, is the line. Um... So again, that's completely the opposite. So he he doesn't like who he is. Rimmer doesn't like who he is. Lister, as we discover more, turns out actually they're living in a fascist state, and he is essentially the head of the Ministry of Alteration. That is, uh, what is the line? It's um, you're in charge of turning alive people into dead people. Mm-hmm. Um, so he then hates himself. So they're all starting to find things about themselves that they can't live with and Crichton shoots um, a, another police officer who's a human and that's against his programming but he was going to shoot a little girl so what do you do and they all try and kill themselves with uh, a, a gun but then the twist comes which is that actually all of this is a massive hallucination so we cut back to Starbug and we get a brilliant sequence where they're trying to escape from the police in a car or in a limo mm-hmm. um and they're sat on boxes as seats and they're moving left and right as they're driving along and Rimmer keeps seeing things out of the window. He's like, oh, helicopters, looks like they've got a personal rocket launcher. And so they're having to chicane through things and go over speed bumps and stuff. And again, there's a mate, a brilliant smeg up with one of them. I, ju- I literally was just thinking that, yeah, they're all just pissing about because they're um, bouncing around yeah, like it lunatics. Turns out it's all the hallucination by the despair squid, which is the thing that attacked them in the first place. And Holly finally manages to drag them out of it before they all kill themselves. Um, the Despair Squid is a hilarious construction, and the beginning sequence where uh, they're finding the wreckage of the previous ship, um, there's a fish that has voluntarily closed its own gills, and Kat says, what, you mean this fish, fish committed suicide? So, he committed suicide, he committed suicide, and, and he committed suicide. There's a pattern here I'm just not seeing. Um... But yeah, it's it's really funny. Tim Timothy Spall's great. They uh, there's a great sequence where they watch the next gang who've gone in mm-hmm. to play the video game, and they're all big and buff, and it's all wow 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 guitars over there, over their stuff, and they look super awesome. And again, that just all brings them down, mm-hmm. uh, which is the whole point of the despair squid to make them hate themselves and kill themselves, mm-hmm. which is its defense mechanism. Um, but yeah, I just uh, it 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 has that little extra depth with it mm-hmm. because it deals with their characters and the makeup of their characters and yep. what makes them who they are and how they understand themselves within the world. You know, as all of us struggle too at times in life. You know, where you you try and find your place and where you fit into a particular structure or system. So yeah, I I, I think it's really relatable on that level as well. Yep. No. I. Yeah. Again, it's that that whole series. I think in general was just it's quite phenomenal. Demon. Yeah, I like demons and angels. That's got some funny stuff in it. Yeah. Hollow ship. I can do without. Although Jay it's, it, is in it. And he's yeah. Really but again, it's but it's. It, I think that one's really good because again, it's it's rumor centric and it kind of shows the fact that he he really has no confidence in himself and you know as he points to his H and he's like I don't you know I look at this I don't see hologram I see half wit. Yeah. Uh, you know and and again it. It shows the. I, mean, I suppose it is good in that way because it does explore. Yeah. His character far more. That's it. It shows his vulnerabilities. That yeah. Okay. He, quite you a know. lot of them do thinking about it. Cause terraform. Yeah. 
is that series as well, which is all about him, yeah, uh, a mind remapping, uh, a world remapping itself to Rimmer's mind. Yeah, you've got the the light and the dark on the demons and angels, uh, or as, as Rimmer likes to say, the hippies. Uh, I mean, it, it is just a great series. It, it it was just a great great series. It was. So right, uh, so number one time. Uh, no, no, we still no, got. got uh, I've, I've still got one more. Still got one more. Uh, so for me now, I as I said, I did go and pick one which was in season ten. Um, the reason I really enjoy this is because it does play back to some of the stuff that's occurred in past series, um, and and emphasises the fact that Lister is his own father. So this one is called Father and Sons. Um, so this is all basically about. Lister, um, so he, he's you know to begin with he's he's visiting the dentist but he's really scared because uh, he you know, he doesn't he doesn't want to visit the dentist because you know it's this Lister for Christ's sake, uh, but he explains to to Rimmer that he's basically going to get mega drunk um, because he's he's writing in a Father's Day card for himself. Um, and uh, and he even he, again, I love the fact that he even uses this phrase within it. He goes, just because of some time traveling, um, you know, paradoxy sci-fi smeg on my own dad. Yeah. And that just makes me laugh because we've seen that whole interplay and the fact that he doesn't really know his parents when he's growing up and then suddenly reveals that yeah. he is his own father. Yeah, so it accepts the continuity and moves forward. Exactly. Which is funny because then at other times it just completely abandons continuity. Yeah, ex- yeah. Hilarious, <laughs> hilarious yeah. in itself when they yeah. do do that. Um, apparently he does it every year um, and <laughs> writes a card, uh, basically gets himself drunk, writes a card and has no idea what's going to be in it so it's a complete surprise. And then Crichton walks in with a card from the previous year and he's just like, oh, Oh, my daddy's so great and he's like giving him a card with dreads in it and stuff like this a bit of poppadom in the card uh, but as Rimmer questions like to Lister he's like well y- your dad's a bit of a disappointment isn't he where's he been all your all your life I- again it's just that interplay yeah, between yeah. Lister and Rimmer just you know it- Throughout all of this, Rimmer's just like, yeah, but your dad's pretty shit. I mean, yeah. granted, it's you, but you're pretty shit as well. Um, so, I mean, the, the, the sub part of this this whole thing as well is that, uh, you know, Rimmer and Crichton are bringing a new computer program online, which, again, is just a sub part of the story. But, again, it's hilarious because it is still within the, the tropes of this crew mm. that... Rimmer, in typical fashion, goes for a hot, blonde, big-breasted woman, and then every other question, oh, uh, frame rate, doesn't matter. Every question is like, no, that's fine. Big boobs. Uh, blonde. Uh, and he goes through all, and then it's just like, accent, whatever. Uh, again, just Rimmer beer Rimmer. And eventually this new computer, uh, you know, comes online, and then basically causes absolute fucking havoc on the ship, because it's predetermines every decision that is supposed to be made and because Rimmer is the highest ranking officer on the ship it predetermines what he would actually tell her to do so she starts breaking the ship because that's exactly what Rimmer what would, do. would do and that's just again it's just hilarious in that but while this is all going on Lister gets completely blackout drunk leaves himself a video message um, and basically says to himself you're a big disappointment to me, David. And it's just hilarious because he is, he's calling himself a massive disappointment. Um, he knows exactly what he's going to say and how he's going to react. He's like, oh, I'm all right. And, and, he's just, he, and yeah, he just yeah. starts parodying himself. And he's just basically like, right, I want you to go and get that tooth fixed. Go right now, go and get that tooth fixed. Once you've done that, play the next message. And this is like, fuck it, I'll play the next message. You didn't do it, did you? <laughs> I told you, go and do it. Then come back and play the next message. Right, I've told you one more. Right, if you don't do this, you see that guitar, see that guitar you love. If you don't do it, I'm gonna flush it out into space. He doesn't believe him. He's like, how the fuck is he gonna do that? The guitar's there. So he plays the next message. He's like, right, go over to the guitar. 
pick it up, and it turns out it's a paper cutout. Yeah. And that's just again, it's just it's just the hilarious interplay between Lister yeah. and Lister. So eventually he goes to the dentist and kind of says, "Oh yeah, I want to get my tooth fixed, but cat's stealing all of the antiseptic." Um, and then so he registers himself as his son and also his father, which again comes in for the later part because Lister eventually saves the ship from this new computer that's breaking practically everything and Lister saves it because he's his own son and when he reported to the dentist he registered himself as a dependent and because he's a dependent the ship now has to do what he says and basically automatically deletes itself oh nice so he then enlists himself in the JMC for a robotics program but then Crichton walks in with a tray of gifts like champagne zero G kickboxing and he just basically returns back to Lister. Yeah. But I, get it, it, I think it just it really tickled me because it was the first one from the 8, 9 uh, run or whatever, the back to earth it was. And this was the one that just made me piss myself out loud because I was just like, Lister, I- I- interacting with Lister, yeah. dealing with the repercussions of him being his own son. Mm. Like I say, it, it yeah, was, I, I, I it, it was return to form. Um, the next one, the one after this as well, was ve- it almost edged in, which was Lemons, where they go kind of back in time and meet Jesus, or who they believe to be Jesus, and stuff like that. that again, there was a, so there were a good few episodes in that season for me. Um, Eleven, not so much, but I, I really enjoyed season ten as a whole. Cool. Right back over so to you. So last one then. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, like I say, this is actually the top of my list, but uh, it's from series three. It's Maroon. Yep. Um, so this was both uh, on, on both of our lists. I didn't really put these in a specific order of such. Mm-hmm. I just wrote down five because I, I, it's really hard to put these in a specific order. I find because it's is a dwarf. But yeah, I mean, what what an episode this is. Yeah, it is. Um, well, I can see you've got a quote. <laughs> the, the, the quote is, is just Holly right at the start, and it's just like, how did how did we you know how do you not spot five black holes? He's like, well. You think the thing about black holes is they're black, and the the thing about space is it's one given nature is that it's black. So how are you supposed to see them? Um, and it's just like yeah, but five black holes. How do you miss five black holes? Yeah. Uh, and it's just yeah, it, it, hilarious. It's just great. so yeah. the, the story runs they they have to is it abandon Red Dwarf? Yeah. Um. So Lister and Rimmer go on one ship. Yep. Uh. And uh. Catten. Crichton, do they stay on Red Dwarf? No, they take the blue midget. They do take blue, don't they? So anyway, uh, Starbuck crashes and River and Lister end up trapped on uh, an ice planet with dwindling resources uh, and waiting for rescue. And essentially, that's the crux of the whole episode. You, They're just stuck on a planet. See, I actually noted exactly the resources that they have, because again, this is just... It, it, these are the lines that absolutely mm-hmm. tickle me. So, as as this is like, so okay, so what resources do we have? And Rim is like, well, we've got half a bag of soggy, smoky bacon crisps, <laughs> uh, a tin of mustard powder, three water biscuits, a brown lemon, Two bottles of vinegar uh, and a tube of that Bongella gum ointment, you know, the, the minty stuff. Yeah. It's quite nice. Um, and then, uh, as, the, as they reveal, uh, there's also a pot noodle uh, and a tin of dog food. Yeah. To which this replies, well, we know what's going to get eaten last. I hate pot noodles. Yeah, I love that. I, I hated pot noodles I, as well. I, I, I agreed on, with him. Yeah. I hated pot noodles. Later on, because there's a, also, that's a... <laughs> They make a joke in season five, don't they? Demons and angels. Mm-hmm. He gets a pot noodle. <laughs> yes, he does. Yeah. He's like, oh my God. <laughs> this is magnificent. 
because yeah, the line is something like I've played pool with planets, I've been to the edge of the solar, so I've done this, I've done that, but I have never, never, ever thought I would ever taste an edible pot noodle. Yeah. Fucking brilliant. Um, yeah, he ends up eating the dog food later on, doesn't he? He does. It's fairly genuine. Yeah, he, he does. I would be surprised if Craig Charles actually did. Um, and, and he explains that uh, now he understands why dogs lick their testicles. Yeah, to take away the test. To take away the test. My reasons for loving this one really is the the, the simplicity of it. Mm-hmm. It's the core of it. It's the essence of it. It's the essence of, as you said, when looking back at the end, it works. That episode works brilliantly. And actually, it's just Rimmer and Lister yep. mostly for yep. a lot of it. Yes, there are a bit part characters around and mm-hmm. the cat gets introduced, but mostly it's them. And again, when we think about all of season one, uh, most of season two, apart from the one episode, it's three of them Mm -hmm. and Cat was always the sort of come in comedy relief those two were always the driving force so you boil it down to just them two for 15 minutes Mm -hmm. and it's fantastic and like you say it's it's the dwindling resources but Rimmer doesn't need resources and Lister has to keep warm so they have to decide what they're going to burn and they've got prized possessions and Lister doesn't want to burn his guitar and Rimmer doesn't want to burn the Armée du Nord and or the trunk Yep. Um, camphorwood. What's camp- is it? Camphorwood. The camphorwood right. trunk. Camphorwood trunk. Um, but Lister agrees that he's going to burn his guitar, but he wants a minute to sing a song with it. So yep. Rimmer goes for a walk, and he comes back, and the guitar's burning. And then uh, Rimmer says he'll burn the army. And you think they've they've had a big friendship thing because even Cat and Crichton show up and save them and. Rimmer talks to Crichton. He's like, "Yeah, you know, he's changed that one. I've I've seen a side of him I've I've not seen before." Yeah, he, he calls him uh, a man of honour. That's it, a man of honour. And then Lister comes back in, gets his guitar out of the cupboard, and we discover that actually he cut a guitar-shaped thing out of the camphorwood trunk and burnt that instead. Uh, but again, it's the. You've got the final line written because I can't remember it. Uh, I do, I do, now. I do. But it's 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 pre preset up on, earlier in the thing because. As as before before the whole crash appears, um, you know Alex, you know Lister and Rimmer are talking, and he's just like, yeah, um, you know, I went to this place, and it, it was where Alexander the Great was, and oh, he's yes. just like, uh, yeah, I, I went back and I saw saw a, a therapist, Donald, um, who took me back and regressed me back, and it turned out I was uh, Alexander the Great's chief eunuch. Um, and so again, that comes up later on when Rimmer yeah. gives, uh, sorry, Lister gives Rimmer's eulogy in in much later season. He's like Alexander the chief, uh, Alexander the Great's chief eunuch, has gone back to his master. But no, yeah, he he ends this episode and he's just like, um, you know, Crichton, we're, we're going to go do to Lister what Alexander the Great once did to me. Um, but it, like you say, it, this was fantastic because it was just the interplay between. Rimmer and Lister. Um, talk about because you know, they get deep, don't they? They do. The story about uh, losing your virginity. Yeah. Uh, on uh, what was it? The ninth hole of Bootle Municipal Golf Course. Yes. Yeah. You couldn't have been a full member. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like I dropped yeah, my skateboard. Yeah. How old were you? Twelve. Yeah. You, you couldn't have been a full member. You couldn't have been a full member. Um, yeah. Oh god. Uh, burning the books, and yeah. as he's burning the books, he's just like, uh, you know, uh, Sir Francis Bacon, uh, Eric Van Lusbader, Van Lusbader. Yeah, Van. Bread Van. Meat Van. Food. Um, and then they get to the liter. And he's just like, oh, don't burn that page. Yeah, uh, tear out page 67. Yeah. Um, and it just, yeah, it's it's just hilarious interplay between the two of them. Yeah, it is. And, and like you said, the comedy in it is great. And it, 
like I say, it boils down to those two and for a good 15 minutes of the episode, if not a little bit more, maybe the best part of 20, it's just a two-hander. Mm-hmm. And you've always got to appreciate that sort of stuff. Like, I don't know whether... I don't know whether we'd ever do a Friends episode, but, spoiler, the best one is the one where no one's ready because it's a real-time 23-minute episode mm. with everyone getting ready to go to Ross's thing. Yep. And we never... Ever leave? You know, I'd, I'd never consider doing a, a friend's one. I think maybe there. we should. Yeah, it's just set in their apartment for the whole episode. People come in and out, and it, at the beginning of the episode, Ross is like, "Right, we have got 25 minutes before we got to go," and then it plays out mm-hmm. in pretty much real time, even including ad breaks in there. So no, you know what? I'd not even consider because, doing that. Again, so yeah, I think we should. The best because it's, it's the essence. Yep. Again, you boil it down. It's a sitcom, so it should be. There's your situation. There's your characters. Make the comedy. That's the point. And yeah. Anyway, I digress. Like I say, I, I didn't know whether you'd seen enough Friends to suggest an episode. No, I've, I mean, of course I've seen. I've seen a billion times. Who, has, who hasn't seen Friends a, a billion times? Uh, oddly enough, I think it's called uh, a bottleneck episode because it it comes up the, the trope of confining a bunch of people into a space comes up in in Community, um, and they call it you know they call it a bottleneck episode because they're all trapped and they have the exact same thing. They basically trap themselves in, in the room because they're like, a, a pen has been lost. Literally, a pen has been lost. So they're on complete and other uh, uh, lockdown. Like one of them cancels a date and he just rings her up. He's like, yeah, I'm doing a bottleneck episode. And he just throws the phone down and it's just like, <laughs> okay, fine. Um, so yeah, so there, yeah, it is. It's, it, that's the thing. It's quintessential Red Dwarf at the end of the day. Absolutely, absolutely. At its most basic, and it works at its best, mm-hmm. I feel. Anything more to say on that? I don't think so. I think, you know what, I think, I think, think, we're, I think we're, 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 we're about the hour mark, so... This, this is the first one in a while we haven't actually run over. Oh, I'd say an hour's running over, considering we were aiming for 42, 45 to 50 minutes when we well, first no, Nobody's started. complaining that they're, they're not listening to We've us enough. We've quickly gone over that. Yeah, true, true. Complaints on a postcard to I don't give a fuck. We do apologise for the break in this episode of Screen Masters, but it does seem as Bav and Fluff have caught the Dave and Phil bug, which means it's going to take me another six hours to edit all the swearing out. We do apologise, and we now take you back to the end of their show. Thank you. So, shout out time. Uh, Facebook pages, facebook.com forward slash the screenmasters. Go over there, like the videos, like the page, comment on them, do whatever you want, just don't jizz on it. Um, then go to the YouTube channel, Byback Media why would they YouTube jizz on channel. It? Sorry? Why would they jizz on it? I have no idea. It's, I'm tired. <laughs> this is the second okay. episode, I'm tired. For those that haven't realised by now, we shoot, we record these back to back, so I'm always ruined by the end of the whatever the even numbered one is. YouTube channel, Bite Back Media, spelled bite like a computer bite, not a food bite. Uh, Patreon.com, go over there, do that if you want to. Like say the YouTube's really good for now. If we can get that up over a hundred, that'd be fantastic, because then it does start monetizing itself and kicking off algorithms. So I'm told. And finally, screenmasters at bitebackmedia.co.uk for any emails. We do read them all. Uh, we are sitting on some to uh, do an episode where we perhaps just forget a topic and do some movie questions and TV questions. Um, 
we're also thinking about a road trip for a future recording up to the studio with our man Wayne uh, potentially a video option there if anyone was interested in their monitors uh, well they'll die basically as soon as my face appears on them that's for sure um, yeah I'm a little you more can't handsome. crack a monitor no, I'm, I'm a little more, more handsome mirror, I think Joe. I mean yeah, well, the, the beard's coming the beard in thick and fast you know that's, that's, that's the thing you yeah. cover your ugliness with a beard and I can't son of a bitch um <laughs> That's how I'm ruined by the end of this one. I've gone. Uh, <laughs> Come rogue. I'm just going to shut up. Um, I've gone Jack Bauer. Um, so is yes. it is it Jack Bauer or is it? John oh, McClane. John McClane, of course, because yes, Jack Bauer went John McClane, didn't he? Throwback, throwback, throwback. to the previous. Woo. Well done. We referenced the previous episode. <laughs> right, that's it. I've had enough. I've been bad. I'm bad. I've been bad. I've been really bad. So I've been bav. I've been fluff. And this has kind of been Screen Masters. Mm.